Welcome to Miami Valley Church. My name is Pastor Jed, and if you just joined us for the very first time today, I want to say welcome. I hope that you are experiencing community surrounded by friends and family, neighbors, co-workers, in a house church as we go through God's Word together. We've been going through it all, through all of God's Word together, and we find ourselves in the wilderness. It's not where we were. It's not where we want to be, but it's right there in the middle. That's the wilderness, the section of the book of Exodus. And if you're just joining us, you can catch up by going to our YouTube channel, Miami Valley Church, and catch up on, on what you've missed so far. But today, as we engage in God's Word, here we are, right here in the wilderness, studying this place, this tabernacle, this tent, this place of meeting, this intersection where God is going to be with His people. We've taken the tour inside. Remember back with me uh, a couple weeks ago, we looked at the tabernacle, uh, the furniture in it, the, the specific furniture that's in it. Think about that. The creator of the universe comes to dwell with his people, his creation, and all the ways he could have done it, of all the ways that he could have filled it. He chooses a tent, and he includes this specific furniture and every single detail has a purpose. And it's to remind the people of something. It's to, to get them to focus on something and to remember what he is trying to show them. Remember in the courtyard of this, of this tabernacle, there is this altar, there is this wash basin inside the tent. As you enter into the holy place, right there to, uh, to their right is this table of bread. And to the left, there is this lampstand that burns day and night, day and night, day and night in it. And it's a different looking lampstand. It looks like a tree almost, and it has buds. And it's, it's not a dead tree, but it's a budding tree. It's a tree of life. It's a tree of growth. And right there in front of you is the altar of incense. And there is this curtain that separates this holy place from the holy of holies and inside the holy of holies inside this inner chamber there is an ark there is a box and right there on top of the box is an atonement lid an atonement cover and god tells them right there right there i will meet with you there and i will talk to you and i want to ask you right now the listener how is your time with the lord as he has been revealing himself through uh, this, this time as we're in the wilderness, as he has been revealing himself uh, as we study the tabernacle together and as he shows us how much he loves us and how he wants to spend time with us, I want to ask you, are you letting it sink in? Are you making it personal? This same God wants to spend time with you today. He wants to dwell in your heart. He wants to, to get with you and for you to listen to him. Have you thought about that truth? The creator of the universe desires to spend time with you. How are you doing at that? Looking at this tabernacle, this tent, this place of dwelling, this, this, this intersection here, the closer you get to the center, the more sacred the space becomes. I want you to see this today. Remember with me, not everyone is, is given access to this. Remember, only the priests could go in the holy place and only the high priest could go into the holy of holies. Last week, Dr. Cox uh, showed us, he walked us through Exodus 28, and, and we even looked at the, the priests and their clothing. Remember how different it was, how set apart it was, and they were to be holy down to their undergarments, down to their underwear. They were to be holy. The priests... They had such an important task. They had such an important job. It was dangerous. They were to represent God to the people and to represent the people to God. Wow. Represent God to the people and represent the people to God. Remember this place, this tabernacle, this tent, this dwelling place, this intersection. This is where heaven and earth are going to meet. So with that in mind, think about how important this job was of the priest. You are going to represent God to the people, and you are going to represent the people to God. The high priests, they were a representative. And that's where we've been hanging out on. That's where we've been looking at. Remember with me, we've been looking at every single little detail here of this tent. We've looked at all the details of the furniture. We've looked at their purpose. And last week, we looked at the clothing of the priest. 
We looked at every little detail in the imagery, but here's where I need you to zoom back out with me. See, we've we've zoomed in to look at all the detail. Now I need you to, to zoom back out to look at the bigger picture, the imagery that the author is wanting us to see. Why all of this? Why would God lead the people uh, to the middle of nowhere? It's this desert to command these things. Why the tents? Why the wardrobes? Why the commands? And we can get so lost in all the detail and we miss what God is wanting to show the people. And we can do the same as we spend time with him, as we get into his word. Maybe you started out this year and you you started out in his word every day. And maybe this is a section that you came to where it started talking about the detail of the tabernacle, the detail of the clothing of the priest, the detail of, of all the commands. And you just stopped. We can get so lost in all the detail that we miss the bigger picture that he is wanting to show us. And this is where I need you to zoom back out with me today so that we can see this bigger picture, this tabernacle, this tent, this place of meeting, this intersection where God is going to be with his people. It all points back to the garden. Everything about it, it points back to the garden, this description of the tabernacle, it shows us how God's priestly image bearers, they rule and they maintain order. They, he gives them this, this dominion over this, over this space and he says, you are to maintain it. You are uh, to have dominion over it and you are to listen to me and listen to my voice. And wow, doesn't that sound a lot like Eden? Doesn't that sound a lot like the garden back in Genesis? Look how God gives the instructions for the tabernacle, for the tabernacle, the instructions for the tabernacle, he he speaks in instructions and, and structures and, and patterns of seven. We see a seven here, and seven is used throughout Scripture as completeness, as fullness. God created way back in Genesis. Remember, God created, and and it was all in seven days. It was complete. It was full. Nothing could be added to it. Every single element of this tabernacle is designed to remind us of Eden, and it's all pointing back to that. And maybe you're listening today and you're asking yourself, what does this have to do with a garden? What does this tabernacle, what does this tent have to do with a garden? Look back with me, Genesis 1:27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Skip ahead to Genesis 2.8. Then the Lord God planted the garden in Eden, in the east, and there he placed the man he made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. And in the middle of the garden, right there in the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. There is an outer part, there is a, a closer part, and there is a middle. Think back with me. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, we looked at uh, in Exodus, where, where God invites Moses and the elders to come up the mountain. And so, remember we talked about proximity. Uh, there are uh, the people of Israel, the, the, the people there uh, who are camped at the bottom of the mountain. And remember, God said they cannot come up, but uh, for Aaron and the elders, they can come up, but they can't come up, they can't come up all the way to the top. But they can come only so far. And then he invites Moses to come up. And we talked about proximity. And this is what I need you to see today. In both of these, in both of these spaces that we're looking at, the tabernacle and Eden, I want to do a side-by-side -side comparison for you to see that the closer you get, the more sacred the space. So let's do a side-by-side -side comparison. Look at both of these locations with me. Look at Eden and the tabernacle. In Genesis, right here, we see uh, that there is this place called Eden, and in Eden there is a garden and so on the outer there's eden and as you get closer in there's this garden and then right there in the middle right there in the center that's a tree that's a tree and here in exodus i want you to see that as we look at this tabernacle god gives special instructions that there is to be a courtyard on the outer section 
And then within there, there is to be this holy place. And inside of the holy place, there is to be the holy of holies. And that's where the ark is. That's where this, this box is. And that's where God says, I will meet with you. The tabernacle, this tent, this place of meeting, this intersection is where God is going to be with his people. And it is to get the people to see how he is making a way for them to get back to the garden, back to intimacy with him. Remember back in the garden, he was walking with them. He was speaking with them. And, and we tasted, Adam and Eve tasted the fruit that was forbidden and sin entered into the picture and they uh, were forced to leave the garden. And now God is wanting to show the people, I want to get back to that. I want to get back to intimacy, walking with you, talking to my creation. And it's all because of what he has done. He has provided a way. He has led them out of their slavery. He has personally guided them and he has personally provided for them each step of the way. He's leading them back to how it was, to get back to being among him and his presence, to get back to walking with him and hearing his voice. This is what he wants and he still wants it today. God wants to be in a real relationship with you. And above everything else, I hope that this is what you are hearing as we are going through this wilderness section, that God wants to be in a real relationship with you. And I hope and I pray that as you are listening to this today, that you wouldn't just hear this as a story, but you would grasp what God is wanting to show you, to reveal to you about himself that before you were even born, he had been pursuing a relationship with you and making a way so that you could be with him, not just here and not just for an eternity, but right here on this earth. He wants to spend every moment with you and he tells the people, he tells them his personal name. He says, it's Yahweh, it's personal. And he establishes this, this system, this ecosystem, this environment of sacrifices that we've been looking at here at the tabernacle, this, this system of sacrifices to form their identity. Here are these people and they don't have an identity. Remember, he's, he's taken them from slavery. That was their identity. And now here they are out in the middle of the desert, out in the middle of nowhere. They have no identity. They have no land. And he is making their identity. He is showing them, this is who you are. You are my people. Remember, they don't have anything. They don't have land. They don't have anything. And it's to remind them. He's, he's taking them out here in the middle of nowhere, and it's to remind them of their own sin, of their own brokenness. But it's also to impress upon them his desire to dwell with them. And I hope that's what you take away from this, that God wants to spend time with you. He's teaching the people here about surrender, surrendering to his, his authority. He wants to be their king. They were, they were in Egypt. They were serving Pharaoh. They knew all about that, but he has, he has taken them. He has redeemed them. He has saved them from that life. And he says, now I want to be your king. I am your king and you will serve me. And so here's these, these people out here in the wilderness in the middle of nowhere. But all around them are, are these other nations, these Canaanite nations who serve uh, idols and other gods. And they have similar systems in place, but with totally different goals in mind. The Canaanite nations, they, they have their own gods and they have their own idols that they serve and that they uh, sacrifice to and their gods. And, and their gods, they have to appease them. They have to try to get their attention. Remember, we looked at this uh, just a couple weeks ago and we looked at the tabernacle. Uh, but here, it's different. Yahweh's attention towards his people is far from changing. He doesn't need to be appeased. He doesn't need to get his attention grabbed. He doesn't need anything. He is omnipotent. He lacks nothing. He holds all the power. There is nothing, nothing that he relies on. And so he takes them out here in the middle of nowhere to get their attention and to tell them that this is who he is and this is how they are to live now in his kingdom. I want us to look at Exodus 19 
God tells Moses to tell the people, Exodus 19.4, he says, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You've seen it. And how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. Hold on to that. You shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. Did you catch that? He owns everything. He is creator. He says, all of the earth is mine. But number one, here's what I need you to see today. He says, remember, remember what I have done for you. How about you listening today? Do you remember what God has done for you? How often in life do we cry out, God, please help me through this. I don't see how I'm going to get through this. I don't know how I'm going to make my way out of this situation. I need you. And he's faithful every single time he shows up. And it's almost like not too long after he shows up and he gets us out of that and, and he shows up and he is faithful. So often we forget and we find ourselves in another situation again and we forget what he did for us. He says, remember what I have done for you. Remember what I have done for you. Number two, he says, obey my voice and keep my covenant. I want to be your God. He says, listen to my voice. My word will give you life and it'll show you how to live. Do you ever find yourself needing uh, direction? Maybe that's you today listening. Do you find yourself today in this place where you're just like, I don't know which way to go. I can go this way and it, it could look this, this certain way and it could be this outcome if I go that way or I'm not sure if I should do this. Maybe it's a choice of, of school. Maybe you are a senior in high school and you're, you're starting to think about uh, which college I'm going to go to or what I'm going to take. And uh, if I choose this path and if I choose this place, it could look a certain way. But if I choose this, uh, it could look this way. Or maybe it's a job. Uh, maybe if, we, if I choose this, uh, this is how it could look. Or maybe it's, maybe it's just a situation that you're walking through. And do you find yourself needing direction? Would you go to him? He says, listen to my voice. My word will show you the path, the right path. Number three, do you notice that this is an if-then promise? He says, if you do this, then I will make you a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. Family, this is a bold, bold statement that he is going to make them a kingdom of priests. Notice he doesn't say, I'm going to give you a priest. He says, I'm going to make you a kingdom of priests. He says, I will make you a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. He says, I am holy. And for you to be my people, you will be holy. You will be set apart. You will be different from everyone else around you. And that's what I want us to see today. God has positioned these people right here in the middle of nowhere, right here in the wilderness to take them away from all the distractions, to get their attention, to strip them of every single thing and to get them to look at him and to rely on him. He wants to be their king. He reveals who he is to them. He says, I am holy. He is powerful. He is sovereign. He is unlike any other. And he tells them, this is who you are going to be. You are going to be holy. You are going to be different. You are going to be set apart. He's preparing them. Do you see this? He's preparing them. He's taking them to a place let me just hit pause real quick right there. Remember the wilderness. It's not where we were. It's not where you want to be, but it's right there in the middle. It's the wilderness and it serves a purpose. And the purpose is preparation. God is preparing these people. He's preparing them because they weren't ready yet. And some of you listening today, some of you right now who are listening to this, are wondering, why do I feel stuck in life? Why does it feel like I can't ever uh, get where I know that I should be? Where you almost feel like you're in this holding pattern of life. 
Family, don't miss out on what God is doing inside of you. You're not ready yet. God is preparing you. He's taking you through some things. He's taking you uh, through some situations to, to teach you. He's taking you uh, through, some, through some challenges to reveal himself so that you will know him greater. He's doing something inside of you. Family, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and all, I'm so excited as we are going to get into Leviticus. I'm so excited for that. But Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, it's called the Torah. And that word, it means instruction. It means teaching. This is what God is doing. He's teaching us. He's preparing us. He's giving us instructions for life. And maybe, just maybe, for you listening today, that's what he's doing. He's preparing you. He's giving you instruction. He's teaching you. Do not miss that. If you're not where you want to be and you're not where you were, you're right there in the middle. You're right there in this holding pattern. Do not miss out. He is doing a work inside of you. Are you listening? And so here he is preparing these people and he's leading them to this land uh, where they are going to be. And he tells them, he says, I want you to be different. I want you to be different than all these other nations around you. I want you to be set apart. Remember last week, Dr. Cox showed us the, the, clothing, the clothing of these priests and just how bizarre they looked. Remember the quote that he talked about when uh, someone would see these priests. Uh, it said that they they almost looked like they were from a different planet, a different time period, and that's the picture. This is the picture of what he is trying to show the people, that you are going to be my kingdom of priests, a holy nation, that you are not to look and sound like everyone else, that I'm going to position you in such a way that when people travel through this land where I am taking you, they will see you and they will wonder, why do you look so different? Why do you act so different? Why do you speak so different? And they will hear about me, the one true holy God. This is who I am, and this is how you are to live. I alone am God. And so we see it's not just the priests and the high priests, but it's all the people. All of them are called to be holy, to be a kingdom of priests. And maybe you're listening today, and your head is spinning because you are wondering, wow, after what I've done, after everything that I've done, how could I ever be considered good enough? There's no way that every that anyone would ever call me holy. There's no way that I would ever be able to use that word to describe myself. There's no way that I could ever be counted into a group of people who were called set apart, who are called holy. There's no way, not me. And if that's you today, I have good news for you. The same God who we're talking about right here, the same God generation after generation after generation he is alive and living this same god he is he is still speaking today this same god right here who we're talking about he loves you so much that all of this everything we're talking about here was a foreshadowing of the one who was to come god gave not out of obligation but willingly God gave his son Jesus as a sacrifice for your sins, for my sins. God provided the sacrifice for us. Catch that. God provides the sacrifice. Jesus came to this earth. He died for you listening to this right now. Jesus died for your sins. He paid the price for your sins. Your sin, my sin, it had a price and he came and he paid it giving up his own life, dying on that cross for you and for me. His broken body was, was brought down off that cross and they placed him in a tomb. But family, that's not the end. On the third day, that stone that was placed over his tomb, it broke open and Jesus rose from the grave. Praise the Lord, Jesus rose from the grave. That perfect sacrifice, that spotless one, he has won the victory over sin and death. Your freedom from the bondage of sin has been paid in full. And Jesus asks that you will trust him. His promise is that if you believe in him, he will come and dwell in your heart. 
just like in the garden, just like in the tabernacle, we see he will meet you there. The promise is still true today. Your relationship with him won't end here on this earth, but it will last for an eternity together in a place that he has gone to prepare for you. Will you accept his gifts of salvation today? He invites you to put your trust in him, that what he did on the cross, it was enough. Do you trust him, friends, family? This is great news for the listener today who has said yes to Jesus, who has invited him into your heart. Remember what he has done for you. Don't forget it. Remember what he has done for you, that he has saved you from living a certain way, from going down a path of destruction, from going down this, 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 this way that ultimately leads to death. He has saved you from that. He left the 99 to come find you, to pull you out of the mess, to put you on his shoulders, and to lead you back to the path of life. Have you forgotten that God's spirit dwells inside of you? that he will never leave you, that he is always faithful to be there and he desires to be with you and to speak with you. Think about what he has done for you. Think back to Exodus 15, verse 1, right after uh, God uh, redeems the people and, and saves them from Egypt. He splits apart the Red Sea and he delivers them right through the Red Sea. Exodus 15, 1, they, the people, they break out in song. They say, I am singing my heart out to God. What a victory. I'm singing my heart out to God. What a victory. And that should be our response to the good news, family. That should be our response. I'm singing my heart out to God. What a victory. Say that out loud in your house church today. I'm singing my heart out to God. What a victory. Do you believe that today? I'm singing my heart out to God. What a victory. I'm singing my heart out to God. What a victory. Thank you, Jesus. And as his followers, as his believers, as his people, the same promise is true. 1 Peter 2.9 says, For you are a chosen people. Does that sound familiar? You are a royal priest, a holy nation. God's very own possession, and as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he has called you out of the darkness into this wonderful light. God has positioned you. God has positioned you in a place to be set apart, to be different, to be, to be holy, to be like his son Jesus, so that others who who are around you, who are living in darkness, neighbors who are living in darkness, co-workers who are living in darkness, friends who are living in darkness, when they come in contact with you, when they are in relationship with you, when they hear uh, how you speak and, and even just how you look, there's something about you that is different. And it says, as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. You can tell them, this is the God who I serve. This God is holy. He is the one true God, and he has brought me out of the darkness into this wonderful light. I am singing my heart out to God. What a victory. It is only in and through Jesus Christ, our Savior, our King, our Redeemer, that all believers are priests with direct access to God the Father. Praise the Lord. What a victory. Let's pray together. Almighty, most holy. God, you are like any other. You are set apart. You are so perfect. And God, we just thank you that you have provided the sacrifice. Thank you for Jesus that you gave your one and only son, not out of obligation, but willingly gave your son Jesus so that we could be together. God, you made a way. And for that, we sing. We shout out and praise. What a victory. Thank you so very much. Thank you for making a way. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the blood that you poured out for us. And God, you call us to be holy. You call us to be set apart. You call us to be different from those around you as your followers. God, I pray right now 
for the one who has never said yes to you, that they would trust in the work that Jesus did on the cross, that they would place their trust in him and say, it is enough. Once and for all, my sin has been paid for. My debt has been paid for. Once and for all, I put my trust in Jesus. God, for the one who has said yes, I pray today that they would remember what you have done for them, the way that you have saved them, the way that you have uh, taken them off the path that ultimately led to destruction and put them back on the path of life. God, I pray that they would remember that. I pray that they would remember that you call them to be holy, not just uh, the pastor or, or people who, uh, God, you have put over the flock, but that you call us as believers to be holy, to be set apart, to be different, to not look like this world. And God, I pray that we, as your followers, as your believers, would step in obedience to that God, that maybe it's something inside of us that doesn't look like your son, Jesus. God, I pray that we would step away from that and step closer to you in obedience. God, what is it today in our hearts that you want to change? God, what is it today in our homes that you want to change? God, let it start with us. We love you so very much, and we thank you for what you have done for us. I will sing my heart out to God. I will sing my heart out to you. What a victory. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.